I want to thank you all for being so patient with, with the way we're having to do things and, and spreading out. Um, and just as a reminder, you know, sit apart from each other. Don't sit directly in front of one another. And I thought I would never be alive at any point to have to tell people to, in church to sit farther back and to spread out. Um, it slowly kills me on the inside to do that. But it is, uh, it is necessary and, and, um, in order for us to do what we need to do. Um, the message that is coming to the church that we're looking at today out of, the, out of Revelations, uh, Theatria, is a simple message. Hold on to the works of Christ. Hold on to the works of Christ. Hold on to the crucifixion. Hold on to the resurrection. Hold on to the presence that has been won for you. Hold on to the ascension, the fact that you have a king who reigns in heaven. Hold on to these works of Christ. Now that there's a certain relevance for us today in that same message as something for us to hold on to. But the church that is being spoken to here in Revelation, it may not be facing the same challenges we face. And in fact, and, and it may not even be having the same benefits that, that we have uh, benefited from in our own faith. So the, um, the positive thing that the Lord gives to that church is a statement that I know that the, the works and the love that you have uh, goes beyond that which you had at first. Kind of the opposite that was given to another church that their love and their passion for the Lord has only grown since the beginning. And I can't think of any kinder word to be said to a church than that. Uh, at the end of time, when the Lord returns and he says that to Lamb of God, there will be at least one of us proud, I can tell you that. <laughs> so they, they have this good mark that is coming to them, but, but this one thing, Jesus has against them, he says. He said, you've, you've let the woman Jezebel among you. Now, this is an interesting um, statement. This is an interesting reference that is made here. It is the only reference in the New Testament to this Old Testament person. In fact, even in the Old Testament, that name is not used in any sort of reference to character or, or to any sort of situation, but here it is. And, and from now this point forward in culture, the name Jezebel means something. And here in Revelation, as it's being spoken of, Jezebel herself stands for something. She was a wife that introduced uh, idol worship into Israel. She was a wife who brought in uh, uh, false worship and, and preaching and teaching of false gods and kind of let this be as it's great that you Israel have your Yahweh but we also have these other gods maybe these other gods for when Yahweh isn't working out totally or doing what you wanted or Yahweh can handle this part of your life and and these other gods are here for all the rest of that's going on. Jezebel stands for this teaching and this belief that, that all faiths, all beliefs, all gods 
are equal. Have you ever heard the phrase, many paths, one God? That's Jezebel. Have you ever heard, it's, it's okay that you believe what you believe, and I believe that I, what I believe, and we're all going to go and end up in the same place? It's okay that you believe what you believe, and I believe what I believe. It's all about caring for your neighbor. I heard that one earlier this week. That's Jezebel. Sometimes we kind of uh, try to make it academic and, and use the word syncretism for this. Have you heard that phrase before? Syncretism is the practice in theology of making the statement that we can combine such things. Or just even worse, think that it's okay to talk as if they're the same. This is the threat that's coming to the church that is there in Asia Minor that is being spoken to by Jesus. And frankly, let us be honest, it is the threat that comes to us today in the city of Seattle, <laughs> where we have a marketplace of ideas and a marketplace of gods and a marketplace of religions, and, and all of them are fine and dandy, and all of them point to the same thing of just caring for your neighbor and caring for the earth. And so it doesn't matter. It really, in the end, doesn't matter. If your Christianity is what does it for you, that's great. And I'll, I'll do what I do. And those will be our two crazy things. And we'll just let it be. Now, the church has let that in to itself. And it makes us stop and wonder, where have we done the same? Have we allowed ourselves to be ones who, who think in that nature? Who dare to consider that Jesus isn't the only way, the only truth, the only life? Have we given in to the temptation that our neighbors want to offer us in that way. It's a tough question. I think sometimes the threat even comes a little bit more disguised. It's in us giving ourselves the fact that, yes, I will, I will let God handle this part of my life. I'll let him handle my salvation, but but when it comes to my health, <laughs> that's, that's me. That's me living perfectly or me living in complete health and the best I can. He has nothing to do with that in any sort of way, or at least until things get really bad. When it comes to my finances, that's, that's just been up here. I, I'm the one that's navigated that realm here. It's, it's the God of my own mind. I'm the one who's been able to save up that money, or I'm the one who's been able to make those financial decisions, and therefore that money is mine. There we're serving two gods, our mind and the money. 
and putting them in equal place of the Lord. That syncretism. I have this one thing against you. Is that we have not let Jesus Christ be Lord in this place and in our lives. We see this even today as we face a difficult time where the Lord has spoken to us clearly on taking care of our neighbor and being uh, on the watch for all kinds of things, and we are being told to do what we need to do in order to care for each other, and we don't want to do it. It's an inconvenience. And I can tell you as someone who is locked in a house with two little kids, it's an inconvenience to have to wash my hands, to put my neighbor first, but also to not let fear become part of my heart. To not let fear be the thing that keeps me from doing what I need to do to care for my neighbor. I heard this spoken of earlier by David Brooks, the writer, uh, column writer as well as commentator on PBS, where he was talking about he always wondered why you never heard very much about the Spanish flu epidemic, even though it, it killed so many people. And he said, he's, and as he studied more and more about this, he realized it was because people were ashamed of how they actually acted during it. That when it came to the time when they realized too late that it was really bad, they actually feared and so they hoarded, and they kept everything to themselves. And they pushed those that were most susceptible and those that were on the lowest ranks out there into harm's danger. And so for those who survived, they wound up having survivor's guilt. Don't let fear be your Jezebel. Don't let your pride, in order to think you don't need to help your neighbor, be your Jezebel. Do not make it your God alongside your Lord Jesus. For we know you can't have two, can you? Jesus, as he's speaking to this church, he, he makes it very clear in this statement that he knows that not everybody has given in to this temptress. Not everybody has uh, looked upon this Jezebel that is in their midst as, as the folly that is spoken of in Proverbs. Folly is, is made to be this woman who stands in the marketplace beckoning people to come into her home. There are some who do not give in to that that call or into that, that calling over. And so he says to them, I, I cannot place anything more on your shoulders. I won't place anything more on your shoulders. But to the one who remains faithful, 
to the one who remains steadfast, to the one who examines his heart and pushes out those other gods, to the one who does not give in to that Jezebel, and when he finds her in his life, casts her aside in repentance. To her, or to them, to the ones who do that, they will have authority over the nations. They will have the morning star. Morning star. It's this image that sometimes we speak of in Advent and, and pops up in our readings or comes up during Christmas time. The morning star is a star that is so bright and gives off such illumination into the sky that it is the last star you see as the sun comes up. It's so bright that it, that it even competes with the sun at a time when all the other stars are giving out. And in fact, as the other stars give out, the morning star only gets brighter as it takes over the sky. Now, for a while in Scripture, the, the enemy, the devil himself, likes to think of himself as the morning star, but, but we see in the New Testament that he has fallen, and he is, he is not the morning star at all. In fact, maybe he's just one of those other stars that tends to grow dim over time. The real morning star. The real morning star lets himself be known by his works. by his crucifixion, by his resurrection, by his reigning and ruling over this kingdom, by the way he gives himself over and by the way he makes his morning star light in your life. To those who push out that Jezebel, to those who repent, to those who make their lives ones of Jesus Christ, they will have this light in their life. They will have this morning star. And the good news for us today is the morning star beats back the darkness of our time. The darkness of our world calling us to these other gods. The darkness of our world calling ourselves to our pride. Calling ourselves to our obstinance. Calling ourselves to our fear. It beats back the darkness of a COVID-19 virus. It beats back the darkness that all of us face right now of isolation, of loneliness, of feeling like there's nothing we can do. The morning star comes into your life and into your home and into all the dark places that are around us and even into the homes and into the lives of our brothers and sisters who can't be here with us today. To you, Lamb of God, he's given the morning star, the brightest, the star that beats out all others. 
the only star that we can count on to remain there through all of the darkness. Through the darkest points at night, to the times when it almost seems like it's over, or those times in the middle of the early morning when it seems like night will never end. It's still there. Still there for you. Still there as a part of you. For the morning star has called you his and shares his authority over all things and his light that beats back the darkness. So let this light reign in our lives. May it be our hope in this time. May it be the thing that pushes out all those other things. May it be the reason that we take our safety and may it be the reason we continue to serve. And may it be the thing that binds us together when all of us are being separated apart. Amen.